Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to continue our study in the book of Galatians. And again, you've heard me say this many times. I'm going to say it again. This has been an absolutely wonderful study going through the book of Galatians. And we're only in chapter 1. I think we're finished chapter 1, Lord willing, next week. So I think there's, we've got two more messages in this chapter this morning's and one for next week as well. Uh, Lord willing. And then we're moving to chapter 2, which is basically a continuation of chapter 1. Paul's still dealing with the same subjects, and we'll see that as we transition into chapter 2. So let's read the first, or let's read verses 11 to 24 of Galatians chapter 1 to get the context of what we'll be looking at today. Paul has been proclaiming the one true gospel. He showed the difference between the gospel of salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and that which the, in Christ alone and that which the, um, the Judaizers were teaching. He dealt with the Gnostics and Coloss and now he's dealing with the Judaizers here in um, Galatians who say you must be circumcised to be saved along with faith in Christ, which is, we know, another gospel. So Paul writes here in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversations in times past. And remember when we looked at that, that was manner of life in the Greek. So his manner of life in times past of the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jewish religion above many mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. In verses, um, verses 17 here to... Verse 20 is what we'll be looking at today. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria in Sicilia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which, which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. My, I love that. Don't you love that? And they glorified God in me. That's what we'll look at next week. We'll look at those, those last two verses next week in that verse 21 to 24. But, but last week we looked at verse 17 where we saw neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I, or no, I'm sorry. Last week we looked at um, verse 16 to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So we saw last week that Paul was sent to preach to the heathen. Peter, we know, was sent to preach to the, to the Jews. And Paul was sent to preach to the heathen, which is what we are. We're Gentiles. All of us here, we, we're not of Jewish descent, not that any of us I know. And so we were, we were heathens 
considered heathens by the Jews, Gentiles. They considered anybody outside of the nation of Israel as Gentile dogs. That's what they and that's why that's why it was such a big issue to them when guys like Matthew and and others collected taxes for the Romans because they just looked at them as traitors to the nation. They were turncoats on their own nation, collecting taxes from an invader and, and le- who, who levied taxes upon them. So, now Let's look at verse 17. We're going to go right up into this right away. Look at verse 17. He says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. See the, the phrase there, went up. Went up. It was used in times in reference in those times in reference to visiting Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was situated on the highlands of Palestine. It wasn't in the lowlands, so when they went to Jerusalem, they went up to Jerusalem. And that's where that, that phrase comes from. They went up to Jerusalem. And the religious position of Jerusalem also is the seat of the temple and the mother city of the church. In its geological position on the central heights of Palestine were the factors and the reasons why they used the expression of going up to Jerusalem. And then leaving Jerusalem, they were going down to Damascus or going down to to Syria because they were in the heights. So just a little historical thing there for us. And we see that Paul went next into Arabia, right? He went into Arabia. Now, Paul doesn't state his purpose in going into Arabia. He doesn't state his purpose at all. Right? Not at all. It says here, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. So before he went up to Jerusalem, he went down into the desert. And Arabia there just means the desert area. It, it covers a vast area, too. Um, one commentator said he could have just went a few miles outside of Damascus and he was in Arabia. So we don't know, we don't know, have any idea. Some say, well, he went to Mount, Mount Zion, but I actually looked at something like about that. And one history, or one Greek scholar said at that time there was a war between the Romans and another nation, so it's very unlikely he went there. It's all speculation. Even how long he was there. Some people say, oh, he's there for three years. It's all speculation. The scripture doesn't tell us how long he was there. It just tells us he went into Arabia. There's no time frame for it. And, And I heard for years, oh, it was three years he was in the desert. But that's not what the scripture says. It just says he went into Arabia. So we have no idea what the time frame of that was. And he doesn't state his purpose in doing it. But I like what Weiss said. I was reading Weiss about this. He's a Greek scholar. And, and another thing, he didn't consult with anybody. Notice that? He didn't consult with anybody and say, well, I'm going off to Arabia for sabbatical. He didn't say that, did he? He just, off he went. Off he went. He went into Arabia. And I like what Weiss, Weiss had a, a theory. And again, this is, this is not scriptural. This is what his theory was, that that. His whole religion had been torn to shreds. The foundation of everything he had in his life 
had been absolutely destroyed, beloved. So imagine us in that situation. What would you do? You'd want to get alone somewhere with God, wouldn't you? Because everything you had learned, everything that you had, had thought was right, you find out was dumb. So his whole foundation, beloved, is destroyed. And what's going to happen here? And it, it doesn't even tell us what he did while he was there. And again, the, the word Arabia is a transliteration of a Hebrew word meaning an arid and sparsely populated place. So he was in a place where there was not a lot of people. Not a lot of people at all. And again, Paul was a... Remember in our study earlier, we found out that Paul was a trailblazer, that he was, he was way above his equals, which he said in this chapter, that he, he had... And we looked in the Greek, and the one word meant trailblazer, that he had, he had far surpassed the other Pharisees in knowledge. Pharisees, that older Pharisees too. And he'd become a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Well, he now needed to be alone with God, didn't he? Could you imagine your whole foundation of what you were trusting in is torn apart, absolutely leveled? Leveled. I'll tell you what. If that, you know, and that does not not happen to each one of us too. Our foundation of lies, our refuge of lies, when the Lord is bringing us to Christ, he levels that on us, doesn't he? You all know I came out of Catholicism. And when the Lord saved me, he absolutely leveled my trust in all that, that junk. There's only one mediator between man and God, right? The man Christ Jesus. You don't have to go to no priest. That got leveled on me. I'll tell you what, the foundation was destroyed. And this, is, I believe, is what happened to Paul. That he, he needed to go, th- to go think about what happened. And what else needs to happen? Well, since the foundations are blasted away, he needs a new foundation, doesn't he? Who's the one who's going to teach him? The Holy Spirit of God. Right? He's going to teach him about Christ, isn't he? And so, remember that Paul was a student of the Scriptures, right? Because all they had, remember whenever it says the Scriptures in, in Paul's times and Peter and James, they did not have the New Testament, beloved. All they had was the Old Testament. So he got alone with God and started reading the Scriptures. And you know what happened? I believe that's the Holy Spirit started to illuminate that scripture to him and teaching him the things of Christ. And he learned. What did he learn? All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. All these promises, these beautiful, precious promises in the Old Testament, all find their fulfillment in Christ. He also learned that all those types and shadows were but shadows, but Christ is the substance. He wrote that in Colossians, remember? So all these things became revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can... And what, what, who will the Holy Spirit reveal to us? Christ, won't he? That's who he's going to reveal to us. It's Christ. The scripture says he won't speak of himself, but he'll reveal Christ to us. So all that pharisaic thought structure was, was just gone. It destroyed in runes. In absolute runes. And then the Holy Spirit with skillfulness builds him up teaching him the things of Christ, right? 
Because he didn't learn the gospel from men, did he? We've seen that in our studies. Who taught him the gospel? God taught him the gospel, didn't he? Who teaches us the gospel? I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just proclaiming the report, beloved. The Holy Spirit's the one who teaches you the things of Christ. As Donnie Bell says, we're we're amazed that somewhere between us speaking and and you hearing and goes to your heart and the Holy Spirit takes that and you just rejoice. And I'm rejoicing too because I'm a saved man and I'm just, uh, we're both, then we're all rejoicing over Christ, aren't we? And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So the revelation of Christ that God gave him is the starting, right, of a, of a sure foundation, a new foundation. And the Holy Spirit's just building him up, preparing him. And, and we know Paul was a, a student of the Scriptures, as I said already, but had no knowledge because he was reading the Scriptures with an unregenerated mind. But now he's born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Now the scriptures are alive. (laughs) Now he sees Christ on every page in the Old Testament. And that's evident in his writings in the Pauline epistles, isn't it? Because he said, I'm determined to preach who? Christ and him crucified. I'm not going to get caught up in this issue. I'm not going to get caught up in that issue. I'm just going to preach Christ. And that's what every gospel preacher is sent to do. Not get caught up in side issues, right? But to preach Christ and him crucified. I remember one preacher friend of mine, Norm Wells. He was in Landmarkism. In Landmarkism, they put a huge emphasis on the Lord's Supper being only for, only for people of the Landmark Church and that, in that um, they're the only true Christians and everybody else is just bride, friends of the bride and all this. Henry Mahan came to preach. And Norm, being, he, he was a Landmark preacher, unsaved didn't know Christ, knew the doctrines of grace like the back of his hand, right? He's sitting there with Henry, and Henry, uh, he says, well, what about the Lord's Supper? And Henry says, that's not the issue, Norm. And he says, well, what about, what about uh, um, the bride of Christ only being the, the lamb of our church? He says, that's not the issue, Norm. And he looked at him and said, the issue is Christ. What think ye of Christ? All that other stuff, just window dressing, isn't it? What think you, Christ? That's the thing. That's why we have to preach Christ. That's why we stay centered by God's grace on the preaching of Christ and him. So, so now Paul's foundation is built on nothing less than what? Jesus Christ and his righteousness. His, his foundation was the Jewish religion before. In his works and what he'd done and his zeal. And now all that's gone. It's being destroyed. But God didn't leave him there. He doesn't leave us there, does he? He doesn't tear us down and leave us there, does he? No, the balm of Gilead is applied, isn't it? Oh, it's so sweet, beloved. It's so sweet. just fills our hearts with joy. Thinking about our, our Lord and Savior. So the replacement of the ruined structure starts to take effect. Right? The ruined structure being Paul's pharisaic foundation. It's in ruins. So now the replacement starts. And that's all by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, building us up in, this, in, in Christ. And so Paul's alone in Arabia. 
He's isolated. Think of this. He's isolated from all human contact as far as we know. He, he probably had to get food and stuff here and there. But as far as we know, he's isolated himself. It says he's alone in Arabia. And the great apostle, he restudied the Old Testament, didn't he? He restudied the Old Testament with new eyes and a new heart and a new spirit. Not with the old pharisaic traditions which corrupted his thinking. Now he has the mind of Christ. Now the Holy Spirit is teaching him the things of Christ all through the scriptures. And now he realizes that the central fact and the central point of the scriptures is Christ. They all center around him. And so now, now Christ becomes the central factor in his meditations, doesn't it? Because he's doing a lot of thinking. That's all meditation is. He's doing a lot of thinking out there, isn't he? He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's doing a lot of thinking, probably doing a lot of talking to God. But now his central thoughts, his central meditation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a new focus. He once wanted to destroy the people of the way, which we know now in destroying the people of the way, he was persecuting Christ himself, right? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now he's part of the body of Christ, isn't he? The faith he once destroyed, now he preaches. He's being prepared for his future ministry. And out of all the study emerged Paul's, emerged the Pauline system of doctrine as we see in the book of Romans. The just shall live by faith. Justified by faith in Christ. Right? Christ is raised for our justification. Christ is the great substitute. All the world is guilty before God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. But praise be to God, he sent our propitiation. The Lord Jesus Christ to die in the room in place of sinners. And now, now Paul, Paul's all in all is God's Passover lamb, right? And how do we know that? Well, because he wrote that Christ is his all in all. See, we can see by his own words what he learned and what he was taught. Now he sought to glorify God. He rejoiced. He rejoiced that those who, 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 that, and we see, we see him rejoicing in that in verse 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. You see, his whole goal was to glorify God now. That was his desire. To glorify God in his preaching glorify God in his life. He knew he was a sinner, right? Because you just read Romans 7 and, and then 7 and 8. The autobiography of every believer is right there, right? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of sin? But Paul, Paul knew, Paul knew in Romans chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. See, he knew, he knew. He'd learned something, hadn't he? He'd be taught by the Holy Spirit of God. The gospel being revealed to him. It's been wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And here, we get to read about this. 
Now let's look at verse 18. It says, Then after three years, I went up to J- Jerusalem and to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So he was, he was in the Arabia, Damascus area for three years. We don't know how long he spent in Arabia alone, but he was in that area because it said he went back to Damascus. Right? So we don't know how he was there. We know that for three years there. And what was he doing for those three years? Well, we know part of it was he was preaching the gospel, right? Because it says here, in verse 16, or verse 15 to 16, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So, and then it says in verse 17, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. We don't have any time frame of how long that was. But we know that when he came out of the desert, he preached the gospel, beloved. He preached the gospel to the heathen, didn't he? And I'm so thankful he did that because I'm a heathen. Not, I, I'm a saved heathen now. <laughs> but, but, oh my, this is good news for us, isn't it? For us sinners, oh my. People, people, think, people think we're holier now. We're like, no, we're a bunch of heathens. <laughs> saved by the grace of God. That's what we say. They get talking to us, we're going to find out real fast. We don't believe that way. Oh my goodness. Oh, my. Oh. So we see here, we see here in this verse that, that he went up to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So Paul is recognizing the apostleship of Peter. He's recognizing that Paul, or Peter's an apostle. He's recognizing the authority that he has. But, but he sees him as an equal. Because Paul's also an apostle. He's an apostle as well. So he doesn't see Peter as vaulted up amongst him. And we're going to see Peter doesn't see that way either. The, the disciples, they didn't vault themselves up from other believers. If you read the Pauline epistles, it's really neat. Because Paul always includes people who were with him. And he includes them on the same level, beloved. That's why I always tell, we're all in the, I tell you guys, we're all on the same level. The Lord called me to preach. There's no, there's no little hump where the preacher's a little higher than everybody else. There's not that at all. We're on level ground before the cross of Christ, beloved. And Paul recognized that. He knew that. He'd been, ta- he'd been humbled, hadn't he? That foundation, that pharisaical foundation had been literally made into runes. And in that, remember too, in that pharisaical traditions and everything, there was a lot of pride. There was a lot of, you know, Oh, man, look at, look at my vaulted position. Paul doesn't have that mind anymore, does he? <laughs> no, no. He's, he, oh, no, he doesn't anymore. He, that been taken out. Now, we all deal with pride. I'm not going to say we don't because we all still deal with pride. We're sinners. But you, you can see the humility in Paul now when he includes other, other people with him in the same sentence as equals. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And even with the Galatians, he's speaking to them as, as an equal. He's, he's bringing forth his apostolic authority, of course. But the reason he's doing that is to combat the false teachers who say that his authority didn't come from God. That's the only reason he's doing that. Is to show them, and, and all through here, he's showing us here that, that his gospel didn't come from man, right? We're seeing it right in the scriptures before us. The proof that his authority did not come from any man, any council, anything like that at all. So 
After three years of seclusion, Paul, he, I would imagine Paul was yearning for fellowship. I would imagine he's yearning for fellowship like all of us do. He's yearning for fellowship. He wants to have fellowship. And he, and he wants to go see Peter. So this was not a visit for knowledge. This was not a visit for knowledge. He wasn't going up there to learn something from Peter because they preached the same gospel. Right? And it, this was a visit of pure friendship, beloved. Of pure friendship with Peter and Christ. So what's the lesson we can learn here? Well, that, that this friendship, this fellowship is all embracing. It, it receives each other where we're at. It doesn't vault one over the other. They receive themselves as equals. Paul, Paul never disparaged Peter. Now we're going to see there's a time when he confronts Peter when Peter's in error. We're going to see that in this book. And he really, he uses strong language with him. I was listening to today, I listened to the first four chapters of this book this morning and, and they, they hit on that where Paul just, boy, he just, he just, but he does it in love, but he's sure firm. Paul, or Peter was in error. Right? Dissimulating with, with the other Jews that had come and leaving the Gentiles all by themselves. But the scripture says, and think of this too, in light of that, him seeing that, and he writes in Colossians, there's neither Jew nor Gentile in the body of Christ. He's seen the, he's seen the divide and then now he sees the coming together. Isn't that wonderful? So we can, we can look at pieces of scripture that way and things that occurred and see how Paul's being taught these wonderful truths and then he's just expounding on them by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And this fellowship is all embracing. It includes differences of ranks or giftings, uh, culture and temperament. You know, Paul's not only a Jew, he's a Roman as well. So he's, he's a both, both nations that way. And no one could be more diverse than Peter and Paul. Right? They're, they're like opposite poles, aren't they? You know, Peter's a fisherman. My father-in-law is a fisherman. Now, now, he's not a dumb man. He's an extremely intelligent man. But he's a common fellow like you and I. Now, Paul had come from a learned, a learned, you know, like a higher up there. But now, that's all gone, isn't it? That's being destroyed. Now they're meeting on the same level. But I'll tell you what, personality-wise, there's, there's, a, there's a big difference, isn't there? They're one in Christ, but they have different personalities as well, which each one of us do, See? But we meet together and embrace each other in love and, and rejoice when we see each other again and, and, uh, and have in fellowship again. It's wonderful. So Paul could meet as an equal with Peter. He'd heard of him, but he'd never met him. He'd heard of him, but he, remember too, here's the great persecutor of the church meeting one of the great apostles of the church. Isn't that incredible? Former persecutor, Meeting, meeting one of the, the greatest apostles in the whole church. And there, could you imagine the stories they swapped? About the things of Christ? Could you imagine Peter going, oh, you know, I denied the Lord three times. Three times, and he told me I would. And then when he saw me again, he didn't, he didn't condemn me, brother. He didn't say, Peter, you blew it, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to forgive you. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said it three times, Brother Paul. Three times he said it to us, to me. 
And Paul would say, yeah, I'm, I, I met him on the road to Damascus. And he arrested me right there. And I couldn't even look up. I was blind for three days, Brother Peter. But he sent me to Ananias, and Ananias prayed over me, and the scales came off my eyes. And then Peter told him about, about the, oh, let me tell you about the shit. Paul would say, well, I was caught up in the third heaven. Right? Could you imagine? But now Paul wasn't able to utter about that, was he? He wasn't able to tell anybody about that. My, oh my. But he said they could talk about the, the wonders. Here, Paul's talked all the miracles. Now think of this, too. Here, Paul's talking to someone who saw the miracles, right, Peter? Peter would be like, oh, you should have seen some of these miracles. They just, they were incredible. He walked on water. And I, I tried to walk out to him. I started sinking. Because I had my, my arm at the storm. And Paul says, I saw the risen Christ. You saw him on earth, but I saw the risen Christ. He appeared to me in his glory, his majesty. So they, what would that, they both be, I like saying, when I'm talking to another preacher, I get, feel like I'm getting hooked to a battery. You know, I'm getting all charged up. Could you imagine the two of them? They'd come flying out of that house, wouldn't they? They'd be so excited. Oh, my. And then we see Peter showing hospitality to Paul, too, don't we? Just accepting him. What's the nature of their fellowship? Well, the, the same as all Christian fellowship. It's a fellowship in Christ, right? They both have a fellowship in Christ Jesus. He's their Savior, just like he's our Savior. He's their Redeemer. He's the one who's completed the, their salvation perfectly by the shed blood. And could you imagine them talking and reasoning over the scriptures together? And again, all they had is the Old Testament. And say, oh, look, look, here's Christ. Oh, my. And then they had a fellowship of love now, didn't they? He who persecuted the church now loves the church. My. He who, he who heard about this one who persecuted the church now loves the one who was the former persecutor of the church. Oh, my. And their fellowship is in the gospel, isn't it? And the gospel centered around Christ in him alone. So let's read that verse again. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days, three years after his Damascus Road experience. And Paul had not saw any of the Lord's apostles but Peter and James. He'd been preaching the gospel as far as we know here. Well, at least for a few years, right? Again, we don't know how long he was in Arabia. But it says, it says in the scripture that he started preaching the gospel. And he was taught this gospel by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's a chosen vessel. Remember the Lord said to Ananias, don't fear him. He's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going, to take, he's going to suffer for my cause and he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And who taught him the gospel? The Holy Spirit of God. Right? He's the revealer of Christ, isn't he? He's the, who taught us the gospel? The Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> who made us willing in the day of his power? The Holy Spirit of God. 
He's just as much God as the Father and the Son, isn't he? It's wonderful. Oh, and we by grace are given ears to hear and preaching the gospel. Now, we've heard the preaching of a man, a man standing up and preaching, but it's God who's given us hearing ears. If you get a blessing from the gospel as a believer, it's because God's given you hearing ears. I'm just repeating the report. But that report means so much to me, too, as a believer. And I get just as excited as you all do when, I, when I'm studying and when I'm preaching. <laughs> oh, my, it's wonderful. We should never be looking to a, to a man. We should never be looking to a certain preacher. Never, ever. You know, a mere preacher, we shouldn't look to a mere preacher to teach us how, and, and we ought to guard ourselves as believers from saying, I, I can't learn from that man, or I can't learn from this preacher. That's what they were doing in Colossus, remember? They said, I'm a Paul, and I'm a Paulos, and I'm, basically they were saying, oh, I can't learn from Paul, and I can't learn from, from Paulos. And then some of them said, well, they, then they bring the Lord down to the same stature as these men, which these men would, would absolutely despise because they're preaching Christ, they're vaulting him up. Don't bring, don't bring the God-man, our Savior, down to mere man's level. No. No, not at all. Let us always remember that it's never the responsibility of the preacher to make the scriptures effectual. That's the Holy Spirit's work, isn't it? That's his work. He's the one who, who makes the scriptures effectual as it leaves my mouth, the preaching of the gospel, and comes to your heart and your ears. He's the one who makes that effectual. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. That's a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> He's given a... We, didn't have, we had stoppers in our ears at one time, didn't we, Brother Dave? We had stoppers. I don't want to hear this. We basically had our fingers. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> now, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. That's all I want to hear now. Oh, my. The Holy Spirit makes the preaching effectual. And if we're not learning from the preaching of the gospel, then we should be on our face, shouldn't we? We should be on our face asking the Lord, what's going on, Lord? Teach me, please. Teach me about you through the preaching of your word. And that doesn't excuse the preacher at all from not studying. The preacher has to study diligently. Right? But, but there's a responsibility on both sides, isn't there, for the preacher to preach the word faithfully and for, for us to also be hearers of the word, right, when we're hearing the gospel preached. That includes me too. When I'm listening to Donnie or Norm or whatever preacher I'm listening to, I have a responsibility as a listener to, to listen. Oh, my. So think of this. Paul and Peter spent 15 days together. And they talked about the Lord. They probably reasoned in Scripture, talked about the Lord. And they, they each had the same knowledge of Christ because it's the same faith, right? We're both given the same faith. But they'd experienced it in different ways, right? Peter would walk with the Lord, talk with the Lord, heard him teach, saw his miracles. He was an eyewitness to the majesty of Christ. Just think of that. He was an eyewitness to the majesty of Christ. That's incredible. When he, when he put his, his hand on that leper and said, Be thou clean. He saw that, beloved. Oh, my. We read about it and get excited, don't we? But he saw it right there. Saw that leprosy leave that man. 
He saw the gathering demoniac tearing, his, tearing at himself and in chains. And then he saw and he heard that, that gathering say, the, those demons inside that, that gathering demoniacs say, we know who thou art, thou holy one of God. He was an ear witness of that and an eye witness of that. And then he saw the Lord cast that, those demons out. And then he saw that man sitting in his right mind, clothed at the feet of Christ. That pictures us in our right mind after the Lord Jesus regenerates us. Sitting, where, and where are we? Sitting at the feet of Christ. And now we were naked before in our own, in, 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 well, we were clothed in our own righteousness, which basically was leaving us naked before God, right? And now we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, beloved. Oh, my. My, oh, my. So Paul was relaying his experience as someone who had never met Christ in the flesh, but, but he had a much different interaction because he saw Christ as the resurrected Savior. Now, we can speak to someone about a common friend, and you can see them in your mind's eye. Like, if we talk about someone we both know, we can see that person in our minds, can't we? We know how they talk, we know how they walk, we know what their voice sounds like. But if you talk about someone you don't have in common with someone, they don't have that recollection of of the same person you're talking about. They don't have a, a common frame of reference, do they? And Peter and Paul both saw the Lord. Peter, Peter saw him in the flesh and this earth. And Paul, he appeared to him on the, on the road to Damascus in his glorified state. And think about it again, how Peter would tell Paul of all his missteps. Oh, oh, Paul, you don't know how many times I just blew it. I stuck my foot in my mouth more times than you could ever think. And Peter, or Paul would be saying, he'd be saying, oh, man, all those people I persecuted our brothers and sisters in Christ. He'd mourn over that, wouldn't he? But then you know what they do? They both rejoice that it was all forgiven, washed in the precious blood. That's why the words of Paul when he writes that the, the, blood of, the blotting out of the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, Christ took it, and, that were contrary to us, he took it away, nailing it to his cross. So think of that. When we read those sections, think of that more. All that stuff Paul had done to the church, and he's writing that it's all blotted out. I'm forgiven. And remember those words, because Christ speaks them to us too. Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. (laughs) Peter, do you love me? He's on his face, isn't he? (laughs) Oh, God's so good to us, beloved. 